Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. Here's Ricky Chino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. And what is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast, the live Tuesday edition. Here we are every single week, or at least we try to be, right around 2 o'clock, 2.15, somewhere in that window, whenever I can get off work. We're so, you know, just meticulous and being consistent week in and week out. We really pride ourselves on that uh, here on this show, but believe me, it's, it's all my fault. SP three is a total professional and he's here every time. It's just whenever the hell I can get here, we're going to be on the air, but we are here for you to talk about all the big stories in professional wrestling this week, including what could have been edges final match period, or maybe just his final match in WWE. The unfortunate cash Wheeler situation after he was brought up on assault charges late last week. Kevin Owens is back in WWE after getting hurt, but is it about time that maybe he and some other folks move on to some new things? Shinsuke Nakamura and Chad Gable, their stock is rising. So is Rhea Ripley's, but is it rising so high that WWE's now booked her into a corner? And what, oh, what should WWE do with Mick Riddle. We will be asking all of those questions and so much more today. First things first, SP3, how you doing on this fine Tuesday? You just got off of the Tony Khan all-in conference call. How was that? Was was Tony Khan uh, informed today? Was he fired up? Was he ready to go for the biggest pay-per-view in company history this Sunday night? Um, It felt like Tony Khan got caught off guard on a few questions. Uh, Shout-outs okay. to... You know, a bunch of the media on the call asking some very good questions. You don't usually hear uh, such good questions on these media calls, but I thought there was really good questions. Uh, Stephanie Chase asking about what's the elite's uh, EVP roles, you know, considering that people like Chris Jericho and CM Punk have backstage roles and Tony kind of kind of stuttered and repeated himself a bunch of times on that one so that was fun to hear that response uh brandon thurston and uh tony khan had a great response on what wwe would do in his situation of uh and brandon thurston saying wwe would send out a press release with a number including ushers and ticket takers so yeah it was a it was a good time on this all-in media call uh, Stephen Chambers asking, how many times did Tony Khan blink? Well, usually these you don't really see Tony on these things, so I'm assuming a lot. But you know, it, it is. It maybe who knows? Maybe he's just a little bit more relaxed when he doesn't have to, you know, put on a face in in front of the camera. Who knows? But uh, I, I'm, a, I was so happy the last one they did. I'm trying to remember. It was was it for the Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor? They did it at like two o'clock, and I could actually like attend that one. Every time they do these ones at one o'clock, it's like darn near impossible for me to uh, to attend. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. So I, I will uh, monitor all the news that comes out of it uh, as everybody else does, as it just ended a few minutes ago. And I just got off work and now here I am. Ozzy asking, is Lacey Evans really gone from WWE? It certainly appears that is the case. Yes, uh, she is gone. She is going to be doing some uh, a different line of work, actually. I think she's going to be doing some community work uh, in, in her hometown and focusing on a few other things. But uh, it seems like she went ahead and decided not to renew with WWE or at least WWE uh, let her contract track lapse, whichever one it is. Uh, she is done uh, with the company for now. Creative has been told you don't have any access to her. So who knows what her wrestling career holds at uh, at this point, but she has changed her name to Macy Estrella. So she's no longer with WWE at this point, which is, it's always a shame when somebody leaves, especially when there was a point SP3 where what she was doing was really working and WWE for whatever reason, especially after Triple H took over, just decided not to lean into that and then decided to reboot her for like the umpteenth time. And at that point, it just seemed like the writing was on the wall with what Lacey Evans was going to do in, in WWE. And unfortunately, it didn't end up, didn't end up being much as talented as she was and as much potential as I thought she had. 
Um, now she also had her detra her detractors online for some of her social media comments and some of her, you know, public opinions. So, you know, I can't say anything about that, but I will say the one time I got to converse with her, she was very nice. She was very pleasant. She was very open and very honest with me. And I always appreciate that in those interviews. So, um, from personal experience, I thought she was great. WWE did have something with her as far as being a heat magnet on TV. And I'm surprised SP three, they really didn't lean into that. I feel like she had two gimmicks that could have gotten over as the sassy Southern Belle and then as uh, this kind of like female Kurt Angle of Kurt Angle's whole thing was I'm an Olympic gold medalist. You should cheer me. And Lacey Evans' whole thing was I, I served I served for this country. I should you should cheer me. So I, I love I, I was enjoying that uh, towards the latter half of the Vince McMahon era into the Triple H era. And then Triple H just kind of didn't wasn't into it or wasn't into her. I don't know what happened. And then, like you said, she didn't amount to anything in the past year. And now she's gone from the company. I don't know if that means that's the end of her wrestling career. And that's going to be something that is a theme with the people that we're going to be talking about on this, <laughs> on this show today. No. But I hope that uh, she can still be successful in whatever she's doing after her run in WWE. Never forget, by the way, that whole Ric Flair Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair storyline that was going on. She was going to win the women's championship at WrestleMania. Like that was the end game for that. And then she got pregnant and the rest is history. But man, could you imagine how much different maybe her WWE career turns out if they go through with that plan? So it's one of those things, you know, you chalk it up to, you never know. You never know what's going to happen, you know. Uh, somebody asked in the chat, uh, whatever happened to Zia Lee? She's still on the roster somewhere, but we haven't seen her on TV in quite some time. I will never forget WWE reaching out to me about that. Here, here's a little, you know, inside baseball for you. They reach out to me, say, hey, she's going to be making her debut. Do you want to talk to her? Um, you know, we got to keep it, you know, fairly simple you know language issues and things like that and i'm like yeah sure absolutely and we did this big write-up and she had did all this media rounds and she's making her big debut and everything was going to be great she was on tv for like three weeks and i feel like she has been on tv maybe five times since then and it's, mm, it's, it's she's good too man she's great in the ring um she was one of those ones i was kind of hoping would get a little bit better push with triple h in charge but not a lot of the women are getting better situations with Triple H in charge, which is something we're going to be talking about coming up here in a little bit. Oh, my bit. God. Are you saying that Triple H is not very good at booking the women? I feel like someone on this show has been saying that for nearly a year now. Yeah, he well, he ain't doing a really great job at the moment. I will say that much. Before we dive into everything else, uh, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. They continue to be your number one source for all of your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL right around the corner. Thank God. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games. Available right at your fingertips. Very convenient. Head on over to the website or, like I said, use your mobile device. Sign up today. Get in on the action. Just remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That is spelled B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We appreciate everybody who's in the chat asking your questions early. I love that. Appreciate that. Get them in. We'll try to talk about as many of them as possible throughout the entirety of this 45-minute uh, to hour-long podcast, but hopefully we'll keep it on the shorter side today because we all got lives to live and we all got extra work that we got to do because I have an interview with Renee Paquette that will be dropping tomorrow on cagesideseats.com ahead of All In. Uh, by the way, dropped a interview yesterday morning in case you missed it with Chad Gable and Otis of the Alpha Academy that is available on demand right now here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast YouTube channel. So make sure to check that out. It's just four minutes. Nice little conversation, uh, including I loved what Chad Gable said about getting to work with Jason Jordan uh, now that he is a producer, which, by the way, Sean Ross at Fifle.com reporting today. Smart move on Triple H's part. Jason Jordan, once again, was the producer for 
Gable and Gunther again last night, who absolutely crushed it in that uh, Intercontinental Championship match. And we will be talking about that coming up here uh, soon. Make sure to go ahead and give us a thumbs up on this video. We appreciate that. And if you're new to the show, you like what you hear, go ahead and hammer that subscribe button for us, too. We genuinely appreciate your support. SP3 Friday night. No bloodline. No problems, really, for WWE. Uh, another good audience that tuned in. Hot Toronto crowd. Of course, they had the big draw for it, right? Which was Edge, the 25-year celebration of his career. We had the angle that they shot a week prior where he set up his, his this big match with Sheamus. Didn't really know what was going to come out of it. Was it just a one-off? Was it finally kind of setting up Edge's first big story Uh since before WrestleMania, when he was basically feuding with Finn Balor and Judgment Day for, I don't know, months, uh, it seemed like. And then he just kind of disappeared for a little bit. But then days before SmackDown broke, like I think it was like the day after our last show, rumors started reporting that this was going to be his final match. And he spoke about how didn't know if it was going to be his final match, but it was at least his final match on his current WWE deal. And SP3, you know what that means. Everybody starts sounding the alarms, sounding the alarms, and the speculation train gets a rolling right down, and it's starting to pick up steam already here, SP3, uh, because there's at least an inkling or a feeling or a, um, a belief among some in both companies, again, according to Sean Ross up of Fightful.com, that while Edge says he has not made up a decision and his contract still runs through September, so don't expect him to show up at all in this weekend or even all out in Chicago, right? Like, he's still got time. He just doesn't have any dates on his contract yet with WWE. But there is a belief among certain circles out there that going to AEW, another company for the first time in 25 years, is a genuine possibility. For Edge. Now, he has said he does not have a full year left. Uh, that promo that he cut after the show went off the air, if you watch the whole thing, he says, look, I don't know if this is my last match, but this was definitely my last match in Toronto. I do not have a full year, another turn under the sun to come back and, and wrestle for you guys once again. So he was able to say goodbye to his hometown crowd. They gave him a hell of a response. And honestly, he and Sheamus gave them a hell of a show in that main event. Some great false finishes, the great... Uh, emotional hug at the end. If that was Edge's WWE send-off, can't imagine a better way to, to do it for him. But the interesting thing is going to be what's next, if anything, SP3. Yes. What's next for Edge is very interesting. I think that it's definitely his last WWE matchup for the time being. I'll say uh, ballpark until of this year it's definitely his last wwe matchup of this year now it's all a possibility and it might just be his last wrestling match of this year period but it's going to be very interesting if he decides that he wants to have a few more wrestling matches because i do have it on some good authority i've heard from a little birdie that told me that there is some type of agreement between good friends of Edge and FTR to have a tag team matchup of Edge and Christian versus FTR. It was never said where that match was going to sure. happen. Yeah. But when FTR re-signed with AEW for four more years and say that's their last contract of their wrestling career, Christian Cage is very up there in years. He's in his 40s. He just came back from, you know, a career-ending injury to have this run that he's having a great time and one of the best heels in the business over on AEW Collision in All Elite Wrestling right now. You would think that it would be in AEW, especially considering the fact that Edge just had his final WWE matchup. It's just how... how how tight is that pact? How how important to these guys is that pact? How important to Edge? Does he want to go out the way he did? And in Toronto, that felt like the nice little bow on a great career in WWE, a great comeback to WWE since 2020, even despite having injuries and layoffs and multiple returns uh, since, his his, since his initial return in 2020. It would be a nice bow to end it here and... I wouldn't mind if it's just a 
five match contract yeah, with AEW. Just if even if that, but a five match contract with AEW, and you spread it across a year. You give me Edge and Christian versus FTR. You give me Edge and Christian versus the Hardys. Like he's the only missing piece of these guys that were the TLC three that hasn't had a run outside of WWE. And I think that, you know, I, I watched the video package for Edge and I've been down this road for Edge. I was the kid in what junior high school that was doing five second poses in the back of the class because I'm a class clown and Edge and Christian were like I when I think about like my love of heels and wrestling it all starts with like Edge and Christian Kurt Angle like those were my guys those were my guys so I've been a huge fan of Edge and I think that my whole campaign or my whole mantra or motto or opinion of Christian being better of Edge really starts when Christian goes over to TNA because I said to see him in a different light. Got to see him outside of this bubble of where you can only do certain type of matches in WWE. And you could see him do different type of matches, see him work with different type of performers, you know? So I think I appreciate those guys. I appreciate Bubba Ray Dudley a lot more now that I saw him as Bully Ray in Impact Wrestling. Even someone like Devon Dudley, who didn't have a great run in TNA, just seeing Team 3D together have great matches with the Motor City Machine Guns and teams like that. That made me see them in a different light. Same thing with the Hardys, Money, Big Money Matt, Broken Matt, uh, Jeff Hardy and his runs in TNA and stuff like that. So all of that, what I'm saying is that I, as a fan of Edge, I kind of want to see this. I want to see Edge outside of this WWE bubble, and I don't care if I have to call him Adam Copeland for it. Yeah, and that's the thing is like his, his presentation, his character, his ring gear, like everything would have to be like a complete like redo or at least just just different enough right to avoid any kind of copyright things because WWE owns the name Edge. So you know, if he shows up as Adam Copeland or he just picks an entirely different name or he goes back to what was his name before he got to, to WWE? He made it Sexton was uh, Hardcastle. Yeah. Unless he shows up as Sexton Hardcastle or, or something, which would be genuinely hilarious, by the way, uh, unless he does something like that and really kind of goes back to his roots and uh, wh whichever way he has to go to get it done. I'm, I'm with you on this one. And I, I didn't think I would be right. Cause they, I, just been thinking about it over the last few days seeing edge show up in aew or even if they just set up some kind of like their own major like promotion one night only like independent show they set up their own major independent show in canada or something like that and they say hey edge one night only edge and christian versus uh ftr edge and christian versus the hardys or whatever they do and they put on some kind of independent show whatever it is just seeing edge outside of wwe i felt like it would be just weird to me and because he's always been under that that wwe umbrella but thinking about it and sitting on it the last few days honestly that weirdness to me is vastly outweighed by the feeling i felt when christian showed up in aew for the first time because when christian showed up in aew for the first time i was genuinely pissed off about it not that he showed up in aew but just for the fact that edge had just come back from a career-ending injury after a decade. Christian does the same. A year later, they both show up in the Royal Rumble. We get this great moment where Edge has been getting his ass kicked for, like, felt like an hour, and he finally sees, like, like he's hallucinating. Like, this long-lost friend of his, like, his guardian angel shows up in the ring to, like, help him out, and it's his old buddy who is also retired due to injuries, and he just gets this, this, perfect smile on his face because edge is one of the all-time great in-ring storytellers right his facial expressions are top-notch and the smile that he had on his face was perfect these two embrace in the ring and it's it's the whole thing was beautiful but it was marred by the fact that it was the goddamn thunderdome royal rumble and we're all cheering at home and the computer screens are going nuts but it just the pop for when christian showed up it was robbed from us right circumstances beyond any of our controls it was still robbed from us and then they do the match and that's it edge cut or christian cuts a backstage promo he's like well you know i only i only promised one more match and he gives a sly smirk and then he's out the freaking door 
And then he shows up in AEW, and I'm like, are you kidding me? After all of that, after all of the, you're never going to wrestle again, you're never going to wrestle again, where, you know, it's a pipe dream. Holy crap, here's Edge. He came back miraculously 10 years later. Holy shit, here's Christian now, too. Oh, wait a minute. These guys are never going to tag again? They're never going to tag? They're never going to tag again? Like, are you kidding me? Give me one damn match. Well, now SP3, they can give me that one damn match. It ain't going to happen in the WWE. Like you said, the only places this can happen is in AEW or if Tony Khan lets them go have an independent show. But if Tony Khan's a smart businessman, ain't no way. He ain't having the final Edge and Christian versus the Hardys, not under his AEW umbrella. He is a smart businessman. He's going to hand Adam Copeland a blank check and say, all right, three-match deal. Who do you want? When do you want it? Sign away. We'll fill in the rest later. Like, that's how Tony Khan should approach this because those are going to be big-time matches. Um, and if that's what Edge wants to close out his career, AEW is the only place that he can get it done. If he wants to wrestle FTR, if he wants to wrestle with Christian again, if he wants to wrestle the Hardys again, if he wants to wrestle anybody else, any of his buddies on the scene, I mean, he ran through a lot of his bucket list in WWE already. It's all about what he wants to do. And if he wants to go back to WWE to have one more WrestleMania match or whatever it is, great. But if he wants to do one last go around the sun with his old pals who helped revolutionize tag team wrestling and ladder matches and, and go out that way, great. I'm cool with it. Or you know what, SP3 may not be the sexy option. He could also just be done. He could just be he done and be. this really was his last match. Either way, I'm, I feel like whichever decision he makes, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm happy for him either way. I'm happy for him because, like I said, that was the perfect way to kind of seal the deal, go out with a great match against a first-time opponent, someone that he had a personal connection with in Sheamus. So I thought it was a, a good way to go out. So I would be fine if this is it for Edge, but there's a part of me as a fan of him. I just need to see it one time. One time. one time on a big stage. Uh, Stephen Chambers saying uh, Edge is all elite. Wouldn't mind seeing the brood versus House of Black. That's kind of an interesting dynamic because you really could do some kind of Edge, Christian, and the Hardys, the original brood and the new brood, and uh, maybe House of Black adds. Maybe they get on by the time this rolls around and this possible Andrade is part of House of Black or somebody else is part of House of Black. Uh, maybe there's a direction they could go there. That would be uh, interesting. Uh, for sure. Uh, a saying edge has a lot of uh, thinking to do, and I'm sure he does. I genuinely believe him at his word when he says he does not know what he wants to do. Like you said, SB three, there may be a pact between friends that they've talked about this and they want to do this, but ultimately edge could decide. Nah, I think, I think I'm good. <laughs> I think maybe I don't want to do it, but if you asked me today to put like an odds on it, I would say I'm about 60% sure he's done with WWE. He's out the door and he's going to go, have the the retirement tour with his buddies and 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 call it a day. Uh MCAS saying SP3 can Devon take bumps. Can Devon take bumps? I know Team 3D at uh, Impact 1K, so one time only TLC at full gear, Hardy's Edge and Christian in the Dudleys. I don't I don't know. I, I don't mean know if, if they go if they're gonna write Billy Ray a check, he'll talk Devon into take yeah, come on. <laughs> one time don't do TLC. Don't do TLC though. Yeah. Don't do TLC. Don't no, they're not not at their age, I'm cast. You were you were you were on to something before you 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 said TLC. But uh yeah, Devon is apparently gonna be taking bumps. He's gonna be on the impact one thousand with uh Bully Ray team three D reuniting. So maybe it's their audition because they know something that we don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe everyone, all of these guys know something we don't know, and we they know Edge is on his way. <sighs> Man, like trying to think back like 20 years ago, like we wouldn't even have the concept to have this conversation. But just think 20 years ago, we would be in the future now on August 22nd, 2023, talking about the possibility of one more Edge and Christian versus the Hardys versus the Dudleys match. Like wrestling today is just you you literally never know. Like that is such an overused term saying in in wrestling nowadays but seriously never say never you just never freaking know hell sting is still wrestling at age 60 what three is he 63 is that what it was i can't it's even like remember 64 64 uh, at this point uh frantic world i thought devon said he was done with wrestling yeah of course he did of course he did edge was done with wrestling yes he was. Was done with wrestling yeah 
Everybody's done. Shawn Michaels said he was never coming back, and then he got that Saudi check slapped in his hand. Now I believe Shawn Michaels when he says he's done. Brian Danielson said he was done with wrestling. CM Punk said he was done with wrestling. And there was a time I bet CM Punk genuinely meant that, too. People's minds change over the course of time. Uh, of course, we're sitting here talking about Edge and Christian versus FTR. That's assuming, um, man, that that that's assuming a lot of things unfold certain ways surrounding Cash Wheeler following uh, the, the very sudden and just, frankly, disappointing news uh, when this came out on Friday, SP3, that he was arrested for aggravated assault with a firearm. Um, now, that reads a lot worse than what it actually was alleged to be, right? Because you read, I, at least me, right? Like, I read aggravated assault with a firearm. I feel like he at least fired a shot or he pistol whipped somebody or he made some kind of physical contact. To me, that's what assault means. But under Florida law, this was genuinely just pointing a gun or flashing a gun with the intent of harm, right? So it, it reads a lot worse than what it sounds like. Now, what the actual police report says still is rather disturbing. And just the quick sum up of it is Cash Wheeler is accused of speeding throughout traffic on a highway uh, in Florida. Uh, driver decided to get over. He allegedly... Very important word here. Allegedly got over onto the shoulder to pass this guy. And as he was passing him, was pointing a gun out of his window at the driver of the other car. And then the driver obviously slammed on the brakes, slowed down, followed cash, snatched his uh, license plate and sent it to the cops. And, and now here's where we are. Um, you were on the Tony Khan media call. He was asked about this right off the bat. And basically the sum up is, He's expected, Cash Wheeler is, to still be at all-in this Sunday. Tony says right now they just don't have enough facts and enough evidence for him to merit pulling him from the car, but basically he's going to continue to monitor the situation. Did I sum that up accurately enough? Pretty much. Pretty much that's what he uh, said. So I was I was happy that it was brought up right from the onset because it was kind of the the big question in the room because of all the news from this past week. Um, yeah, the whole situation is very kind of up in the air as it's been reported by Fightful. Tony Khan only found out about the situation when we did, which says a lot because the situation happened in July. So like over a month ago. So I'm like, like I'm not like, that un, not not that shocking actually. And I'll, I'll no tell you no I I'm I'm like why didn't Cash Wheeler say something happened like that's why that's yeah, that's okay. why I'm making the face. I'm not making the face about the arrest coming coming afterwards. I've seen that plenty of times. I've seen people. I'm from the hood, and this happened. This happened a lot with people doing something <laughs> six months ago and getting arrested for it. So <laughs> I, I've, I've seen stuff like that. It's the part of cat on Cash Wheeler's part. If you get into that type of situation. Why are you not telling your, your boss that has put you in one of the biggest matches at the biggest wrestling event of all time? Like, huh? I mean, maybe he's just innocent and he genuinely wasn't there, didn't do anything. He was misidentified and he had no idea it was coming. It's a possibility, SP3 is all I'm saying. It's a possibility. And until you're charged with something, why would you tell your boss a damn thing? Even if you did do it, right? And the reason for the delay, by the way, at least, and again, I take what I, the examples I give you with a grain of salt because Ohio law and Florida law are vastly different and officers uh, take investigations vastly different, right? But this was like deja vu on Friday when this came out for me because I literally had just spent an entire week on my day job for 700 WLW in Cincinnati covering a trial for Bengals running back Joe Mixon, who is charged with a misdemeanor charge of aggravated menacing he was accused in a road rage incident back in january of flashing a gun at somebody in traffic and he actually made allegedly a threatening remark basically told this lady after he allegedly cut her off so he the story was he cut her off she then responded by flipping the bird and calling him a bitch which hey good on you great whatever and then he apparently flashed his gun and said, I should pop you in the face. The police can't do nothing about it. Like that was something along those lines. That was what he was accused of doing. 
So all of that, this interaction, by the way, was captured on street cameras because it happened in downtown Cincinnati. So this dude was not even flying down the highway. I want you to keep that in mind, okay? This allegedly happened as he was going to Paycor Stadium to join the team for their flight to Buffalo before the Bengals divisional playoff game in January. And then, oh, by the way, the next day he ran for 105 yards and a touchdown in that game. So apparently he was really juiced up about something, right? So I don't know. But they had all of this evidence. They had witnesses. It was four days of testimony. And then by the time they got to Thursday, the prosecution had finally rested. The defense came up there and said, uh, we'd like to declare a mistrial. The judge said no. And they're like, oh, okay, we rest then because the defense has not proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Joe Mixon actually did this. And then Joe Mixon was acquitted because or found not guilty because you have to be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt is the prosecution's uh, obligation to prove that you were guilty, not the other way around. You are innocent until proven guilty. So that's the situation that Cash finds himself in. And by the way, the story about Joe Mixon didn't come out until two or three, maybe even four weeks later, the charges were announced because He's a high-profile individual, and police departments have policies in place that they have to be really, really meticulous on these types of investigations before they just throw out accusations and charges for the public eye. So that might explain why, in Cash Wheeler's situation, there was some extra time between when the incident allegedly happened and when the charges were actually filed. So that's kind of what the situation is and where... Cash might be sitting here as far as from what I understand is that the charges were made on Friday morning, and that's when the the whole thing the 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 release that was been on social media that came out that 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 was posted and stuff. But like I think MCAS said it before Friday, he was arraigned in early August, mm. so that's why I was like. You, you got to tell your boss something. Yeah, at that point, you got to yeah. you, you got to tell your boss by that point. Like, yeah. come on, like that's why that's why I'm saying there's a little bit of fault here because there's always a little bit of fault, even with the timeline of the whole story of Cash flashes the gun at the person. Another, I, I don't know if it was that person that saw him flash the gun or another person went up and got his license plate when he when they pulled off. So we don't know for sure if it's the same car. Like we just say they According got the, to the police report it was. According to the police report, they were both heading so, for the same exit, and dude bro got off behind cash and was able to grab a, a snag of the license plate. So I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of wonkiness in this story, but hey. I mean, this lady, right, the, the, in the Joe Mixon situation, this part of the def the reason why the defense was so adamant to have the case thrown out is because this woman could barely positively identify Joe Mixon sitting still at a traffic light. We're supposed to believe that this guy can positively identify Cash Wheeler speeding down the highway with a, if I, I'm sorry, if there's a gun in my face, I'm looking at that and that only. There are a lot, there's so many people who want to rush to judgment on this and want to pull, say, you need to pull cash off the card. You got to change it. It's not that simple for Tony Khan. It's really, really not. And in these kind of he said, he said, or he said, she said situations, it's never clear cut. And it's going to be really, really hard for any kind of prosecutor to find guilt on the, on the, on cash Wheeler in this situation. It, it's, uh, your, your mic's off. Your mic's off. Sorry. I'll tell you one thing. The one thing that Tony Khan needs to do and the one thing he can do, <laughs> Young Bucks, new <laughs> AEW World Tag Team Champions this Sunday at AEW All In. Uh, Frantic World saying, basketball, football, now pro wrestling. Got John Morant, Joe Mixon, and Cash Wheeler acting a fool. I mean, look, people are going <sighs> to... People do dumb shit on the highway, SP3. I will say that much. And this is why I don't flip anybody off anymore. Like, I don't. I just don't. I will not flip anybody off. I will not scream at anybody, or at least in a case where they know I'm screaming at them. If somebody pisses me off on the road, SP3, I will start screaming, but I will just start looking randomly around so they can tell. Like, they just don't know why I'm pissed off. Like, genuinely. Like, I don't trust anybody 
at any time in anybody's car. I don't need to get shot over somebody cutting me off. I really don't. People do dumb shit I, on the highway. I mean, all I can say is fear the revolver. <laughs> just flip. I mean, no flips, just blicks. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be interesting. Get, to get Wheeler. <laughs> oh, man. Should Arn Anderson be the one that starts managing them? Like, should we put them? put them together you know what i'm saying that like, was the wise i think he, they should have done that from jump but uh yeah <laughs> seems the right time oh my goodness so not a situation you want to make light of obviously police are going to investigate it there's going to be some kind of legal situation we'll see how it unfolds but again it's going to be really hard to provide guilt let alone enough uh evidence in this situation to pull him from from all in but i do agree with you like for example if our fine folks over at bet online happen to have some odds on this match ahead of all in and you know they they got some money you can lay down on this sucker i'm putting i'm putting the house down on, uh, on hey, the bucks. i'm gonna tell the people watching same thing i'm gonna teach my kids same thing my mom taught me when i was a kid when you get in trouble in school you better make sure you tell your mom before your, the school does don't and Cash, Cash Wheeler <laughs> should have let Tony Khan know before the Orlando Sentinel did. Yeah. Yeah. There's hoping. There's hoping you th hope things go away. But after you've been arraigned, yeah, that's that. That's the time. After you've been called to the principal's office, yeah, it's time to tell mom about some things. Kevin Owens made his triumphant return to WWE last night. SP3. Well, actually, he did it on Friday. He showed up after uh, the show went off the air. Had the the whole dark return uh, for a tag match, I believe, that night Friday. Uh, where was the show Friday? I can't remember. Anyway, uh, but Kevin Owens shows up in Quebec City with Sami Zayn. They get a hero's welcome to start the show. Sami Zayn getting those kind of reactions is is never going to get old. It's just never going to get old. Uh, long story short, here because we're already running. Up bit long he shows up they book some kind of a tag match with with judgment day for the main event of course that doesn't end up being the actual main event because we got to get cody rhodes on the show we got to get him involved ends up being a six-man tag at the end in which cody rhodes and the tag champs beat judgment day and sp3 it's great that kevin owens is back happy to see that he and sammy can now move forward with whatever their plans are for those undisputed tag team titles because i feel like the tag team division has been in a lull for the last month while ko has been out and sammy's been dealing with some injuries and all three of these dudes have just been mixed up with judgment day and if you look at like the last four monday night raws it's been some kind of combo of Sammy and Kevin versus the Judgment Day or Cody versus the Judgment Day or all three of these guys versus the Judgment Day. And more often than not, it's the Judgment Day who are losing and they keep teasing dissension between Finn and Damien. And now J.D. McDonough is getting in place. And I just feel like we are spinning our wheels week in and week out. And you got your three top baby faces on Monday Night Raw. I guess we could kind of count L.A. Night in there now. But you got your three full-time members of the Raw roster top baby faces just spinning their wheels with judgment day your top faction keeps losing when they should be continuously winning as they they build themselves up i i just don't know where the end game is i feel like we're on a giant hamster wheel right now and i'm ready for all all of parties involved to just go in separate directions at this point yeah this just felt like it definitely did feel like groundhog day when we got to like when they announced the 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 main event, I was like, yeah, I've seen this before. I think I've seen this a couple of times. And then when we got the matchup, and then it turned into the six-man tag, and I was like, oh, i definitely seen this before. <laughs> I was like, I, I honestly thought this was going to be the payback match. I thought that was what we were leading to. Yeah. Cody's promo earlier in the night, I was like, okay, maybe they do like an all-star, the one of their the raw main events on uh, a payback pay-per-view, similar to how they did that at uh, Backlash with the uh, Usos and Solo versus Riddle and Owens and Zayn. So 
I thought that we were going to get that at Payback, but no, we got it here. So I'm just confused on what the hell the Payback matches is. Like, are we getting the, the Balor and Priest versus uh, Owens and Zayn match for the tag team titles at, at Payback since they own a victory over them, which commentary did not even mention throughout the whole show. But it just makes everything feel very kind of stale in the top program yeah, on is. Raw right now when everything else it kind of feels kind of refreshed, especially with the World Heavyweight Champion program what i thought was a great uh promo from shinsuke it mm-hmm. did not feel right with this being in the main event because it was just like i've seen this before yeah and it's like i don't know if they're just how much kevin's injury played into storyline progression but it's like there are other people on the right this 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 feud right now feels like vince's playbook Right. His old, hey, these guys are feuding with each other. So, you know what? They're going to wrestle each other on SmackDown. And then some form of the combination is going to wrestle again on the next SmackDown. And then, oh, hey, by the way, they're going to do it on the next SmackDown. Then we're going to have the big pay per view match. And that's the one that's actually going to matter. The only difference here is is Judgment Day just keeps getting beat like a damn drum. Like they're coming out of freaking coming out of money in the bank or not money in the bank. uh, Excuse me. uh, SummerSlam, right? Coming out of SummerSlam personally, right? I felt like Judgment Day should have been on top of the world. They should be holding all the gold. Finn Balor should have won. Damian Priest should have money in the bank. You could start doing the teases with, with J.D. McDonough and then move in another direction with everybody else. But now it's like they come out of this and there's dissension and it, there's weirdness and they keep making Finn Balor look like a, a freaking goof in match after match and they keep beating him in match after match. And I know they're doing it to lay in that dissension between him and Damian. And I actually really like the best part about all of this is Damien just when Finn's not in the room, like finally, like just shedding that the, the, the guy smiley routine and just starts screaming at Rhea in Spanish, like genuine. You could tell he's just going, what the fuck? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Why? <laughs> this is this is irritating me. It's driving me insane. Like that kind of Damien Priest just letting him be natural. And at least they explain why he, why he's so like, robotic when he's talking about the judgment day and you know we're united front we're going to take it's because he doesn't believe what he's saying so i actually like the layers that they have with damian priest storytelling if you focus on all of it but man outside of that what are we doing with cody like cody shows up after he beats brock lesnar biggest win in his career beats brock lesnar at SummerSlam, and you tease tease tickle us with seth rollins and cody for the world heavyweight championship and now he's just chilling here, just helping his bros out, beat beat up Judgment Day again, week in and week out. And it's like, now you're stalling him. And it's like, I don't, at this point, yeah, I don't know what the payback match is. I, unless they're defending the tag team titles against Judgment Day, in which they'll, they'll probably win, I, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know what Cody does. Like, A-Shock says Cody versus JD McDonough at, at payback. I mean, maybe, possibly, I don't know, but. I don't Sounds know. very rawish. Yeah, I don't know if Cody's on this card. I don't I don't know if Cody's on this card. Which I think would be a misfire. The fact you you got one of your top dudes. And I get it. Like you want to load this card up with people that maybe weren't as predominantly featured at SummerSlam or haven't been on a premium live event in the last couple. Guys like Austin Theory, he's his match with Rey Mysterio is probably going to be on this card. Uh the, your tag team champions who missed your last two major shows after main eventing WrestleMania want to get them on the card. So I understand that, but I don't know it feels weird. Not having, not having anything set for, for Cody or at least another major feud coming out uh, of that, uh, that Brock Lesnar match. So we shall see, but I'm, I'm man, there's so many guys on raw and so many girls on raw for that matter that I'm just, I'm ready for the next thing which means I can't wait for payback to be over. And hopefully fast lane means we're on the fast lane to some new shit. Let's dive into this now, shall we, SP3? It's time to answer the five counts on the Believe Podcast Network. What I did love about Monday Night Raw last night, you already talked about the Shinsuke Nakamura promo. That is how WWE needs to present Shinsuke Nakamura moving forward occasionally you want to put him out in front of the crowd, that's fine. But you know that those crowds are going to try to hijack him. Anytime he talks in his native language, they're going to give us the what chance and his cadence, whatever. The, high, the, the, the audience is going to try to hijack that. But why did it take this long to put Shinsuke Nakamura in front of a camera 
talking all sinister in his native language and just putting subtitles on the freaking screen like we're watching a Quentin Tarantino flick. It was brilliant last night. And yeah, his little secret that he whispered to Seth Rollins wasn't actually a secret because he literally talked about it on Impulsive like a few weeks ago. But I loved the psychology of it. I loved the thought process of it, the, the sinisterness of it from Shinsuke Nakamura to go, I know your back is messed up. And I know how bad your back is messed up. And I am going to fully take advantage of it for you and just end you to capture a world championship. I love that. And I loved Seth's response. And it has really fired me up to see this, this fresh direction and this fresh world title program after Seth honestly was spinning his wheels for Judgment Day for the longest time. And Finn Balor, for that matter. Now, that personal feud is in the rearview mirror as Finn moves on to whatever he's doing with Damian and the rest of everybody and J.D. McDonough. This feud feels great. It feels fresh. I'm interested in it. It has my attention, as does Chad Gable and his run to try to capture the Intercontinental Championship. Again, I dropped an interview with him yesterday. A singles push is something that he has been begging for. He feels like he could be the guy in this company if given the opportunity. His last big singles push, and really his only singles push, was that shorty G-shit. And yeah, he won. He made it to the finals of the King of the Ring and he beat the King of the Ring, Baron Corbin, that year uh, at Hell in a Cell after he lost the tournament. But I mean, other than that, never went anywhere, never got a title shot. As a matter of fact, last night was only his second ever televised shot at a singles championship in his entire 10 year career with WWE. And he's way too good for that SP3. Um, but not only that, he beat Gunther. Sure, it was by countout, but honestly, that was the best use of a countout I have seen in a long, long time. It was a great way to protect Gunther's title reign, which I still think is going to get to the record-breaking moment, which means he's going to retain at payback. Or is he? I don't know. They've created this sense of doubt, and I love that. So I'm going to ask you the question here, SP3. Who is a bigger threat to steal some singles gold out of either of these two feuds? Is it Shinsuke Nakamura taking the World Heavyweight Championship? Or is it Chad Gable winning the Intercontinental title from Gunther maybe days before he breaks Honky Tonk Man's record? If we're just talking about at payback, I would say Shinsuke Nakamura. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. I'm much bigger right now of a fan of Chad Gable's current work than I am Shinsuke. I totally agree. The promo vignette was the best presentation of Shinsuke Nakamura on the, in WWE period. Even, even as good as his run in NXT was, I thought this was the best presentation of him because it felt more akin to what he was as the king of strong style as a heel in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So he came off very well. He came off sinister. He came off evil. And he came off like he... he has a game plan and that he's playing mind games with Seth Rollins and that he's got another Seth Rollins skin by pointing out this injured back that Seth had to acknowledge that, yeah, he's right. And then he also had to acknowledge the fact that Shinsuke brought up his family and his, and his wife and his child. And you could tell that he's, he's needling and poking at Seth Rollins. So I like that. And I, and, and it's basically this whole Seth Rollins run. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's Roman Reigns in the summer of 2022 where i'm like okay this guy's gonna do it okay or the end of 20 <laughs> this guy's gonna do it and then eventually when he beats enough people i'll stop i'll be like oh no seth's gonna win and then now probably when he'll lose but i like the fact that it's this is now the second challenger for seth where i'm saying yeah i kind of see him as a threat to take this title so i think that shinsuke has a better rating because gunther gunther needs to hit that record, set that record, the Honky Tonk records as the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion. If Chad Gable loses at payback and then gets a third matchup, then he wins yes. because it'll be after he says. Yeah, up. I mean, it's it's too good. And that's why I love the utilization of the countout because you could still give Gable a big win. He's the first guy to beat Gunther on the main roster since Gunther came up from NXT. We're not going to. Or forget about that whole Survivor Series bullshit that happened, right? But like, <laughs> forget about that. He's a completely different dude now. Liter almost literally, right? He's half the man he used to be. Uh, and that I say that in a good way. But you give Gable a big win. It continues to fire him up, build up his momentum. 
because he could have just sat there and taken the double count out. But no, he at least took the victory. He was smart enough to know, hey, if I at least get the win, sets me up for an, a, a big match. And I kind of like the idea of Stephen Chambers here saying, depending on his health, wonder if Kurt Angle will show up ringside with Gable in his hometown of Pittsburgh. I would say if uh, Gable had turned out to actually be his son instead of Jason Jordan, uh, maybe that <laughs> maybe that would have been the direction they could go with. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kurt's on the show in some capacity. But then again, they didn't put Kevin Nash on SummerSlam in Detroit, which was interesting, too. Actually, they didn't even return his phone call, according to Kevin Nash, which I thought was uh, even more interesting, honestly. But long term, I will agree with you, SB3. I think... It just makes too much sense at this point. You're so damn close. No one's ever been like this close in it, this this millennium, right? Like no one's been this close this century. Um, he's got to do it. Raw next week, I believe, is in Nashville, right? So you got one more week, one last Raw in Nashville. You got one more pay-per-view. Let him get there and then do the WWE thing. Like the day after New Day broke the record. They dropped the tag team titles, right? Like the Usos continuing their reign until 600 that's an anomaly like that doesn't really happen but yeah man some something goofy whether kaiser or whoever gets involved messes him up at um at payback he can come back and win it and i hope he does at this point because chad is so damn good and he's been so underutilized for for so long and i think he's just now getting his flowers but payback is concerned yeah man i got this as a coin flip and i love that I have it as a coin flip right now. We talked about this. Maybe it might be time for Seth to take a back seat, heal up, and get ready for WrestleMania season. But if he's got fractures in his back and he's got to have surgery, I don't know. I don't know how long he might be out. So he may just be literally trying to ride this sucker until the wheels fall off. But part of me really wants Shinsuke Nakamura to win at payback. But then again, I said the same thing about Finn Balor as well. Uh, we do know that Rhea Ripley will finally be defending her WWE women's world heavyweight championship against Raquel Rodriguez here SP3 but the last two weeks she has continued to just dominate the competition she crushed Candice LeRae last night Andy Hartwell before that Natalia before that Zelina Vega put up a decent fight in Puerto Rico, but crushed her too. I mean, they, she is decimating everybody. She injured Liv Morgan. She injured Raquel Rodriguez. She's so dominant that it's like, where do you go from here? And how can you like present credible people to her SP three? It's almost like they're booking her too well. They booked her into a corner here. How, how do they, how do they fight out of that? I think the because they're trying to accomplish two different things at once. They're trying to present her as the biggest woman star, but then not giving her the other bigger woman stars to feud with. The yeah. natural thing when you build up someone and they win the championship is that they have a credible challenger immediately after. And here we are three months after Rhea Ripley won the championship, actually now four months after she won the championship, and she still hasn't had a credible challenger yet. And her challenger, this the uh, her first challenger that seems like it can be a credible threat as far as like stature and size, she injured already. So it's like, is she really a challenger? Yeah, and look, it's not like they, they built up Ra Ra Raquel. It's just, oh, hey, she's really, really big. So, yeah, she matches up physically with her. Candace is a badass. We know that. But she hasn't been presented like that on television. Hell, she was barely yeah, on the, TV. The only option they had on Raw was Becky Lynch. And they're dragging feet with Becky Lynch right now in a feud that died a few weeks ago. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm hoping they stick the landing with this cage match. But it's like... This has just been so, like, if you're going to do a feud for five, five months, the creative has to be on point and it just hasn't been on point and they're not building anybody up. There's nothing else that's going on. It's Rhea kicking somebody's ass and then Becky and Trish and then whatever Chelsea's doing with the tag team titles, which has been great, but they just squashed Caden and Katana last night too. It's like, they're just squashing the other women on the roster right now. They're not building them up. That's the problem. SP3, LA Knight continues to get superstar reactions. He's feuding with The Miz right now, probably going to fight him at payback after The Miz cost him a shot at the United States Championship. But as he continues to get more and more popular, at what point, SP3, here soon, should they begin his climb to winning a World Heavyweight Championship, potentially? Because he is on fire. He's selling great merchandise. I think he looks great in the ring. 
Maybe they should skip the secondary titles altogether and start building them up for a world title shot. You think we're to that point yet? No. I think that would be a mistake because you have to you have to take them on the rise. They could have easily when when John Cena was popular in 2003 into 2004, they could have easily pr- propelled him into the heavyweight championship uh you know situation. But they didn't. They had him win the U.S. title, gain even more popularity there, see how he he held himself as the champion there before giving him the spot as the heavyweight champion. Yes, John Cena and L.A. Knight were in two different situations. L.A. Knight being, you know, in his 40s. John Cena was in his 20s at that time. But as far as when you when you have someone who's very popular, you like this, you can't just blow your load and get them because it's then and then what? You get them to the world title, and then what? It's the same thing with the same people, the people who are arguing he should win money in the bank. And I was like, and then what? They didn't yeah. know, and then what? They don't, they won't know, and what if you get him to the world title or if you start his climb to the world championship? What they can do is little things like him getting a shot at Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble. I think that's a good spot for someone like LA Knight, who's popular enough to be in the main event spot. But I think the next title he needs to win is the U.S. championship to see how he does in that position before you give him a chance to hold the world championship. Yeah, look, plain and simple, I think you know, what they're doing right now is working. People are pissed that it's taking so long and they're impatient, but it just continues to get more and more people behind him. They gave him a story to start off with, right? With the Miz, he'll beat the Miz at payback. At least he should. And then he can move on. They're doing this already where he's overcoming the adversity to win the United States championship. And then once he gets there, he has a nice little run with that. Then you start the next build. Very couple quick ones here, SP3, because I know you got to run. Should WWE give Mick Riddle a chance to flourish, or should Drew McIntyre just kick Riddle's head off of his body and begin the heel turn already? Kick his head off and then kick the head into the crowd. <laughs> I'm with you on this one. Uh, this just feels like being Randy Orton's replacement, which is essentially what this is, just feels beneath Drew at this point. Yes. No offense to Matt Riddle. Uh, I hope this is, I love the name. I love the McRiddle name, but even that, it just, it feels below Drew right now. He should be a monster heel and he should be challenging for world championships. And last but not least, SP3, AEW All In this Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time on pay-per-view. We talked about the card and how we felt about it last week. More matches have been announced since. Do you feel better or worse about it? I feel better about the card. I think they did, they have done a superb job of building up a high caliber main event matchup with MJF and Adam Cole. I thought MJF's promo on Dynamite last week was one of the best babyface promos of the whole entire year and it came from arguably the biggest heel in the in the business you could have said a month ago, but he has flourished in this babyface role and they have flourished together as tag team partners and Tony Khan said it himself on the media call today. He said it's one of the best stories that they've ever done on television and I agree with them. Yeah. So I think that you have that as the centerpiece you got ftr and the young bucks the biggest tag team match they could have possibly given us you got stand stadium stampede with guys who are going to flourish in that type of stipulation like john moxley like eddie kingston like orange cassidy claudio castanoli all those guys are going to shine and i'm very interested in who's going to be the partners in that situation as well you got kenny omega hangman adam page koto abushi jay white juice robinson Nosuke Takeshna in one matchup. There's a lot of history there, regardless of people who, you know, thought that Kenny Omega should have a singles match on this card. That's not as as good of a trios matchup that you could have possibly put together on this yeah. card. So it's 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 a it's a minor kind of downgrade from what we should have gotten, which was Brian Danielson versus Kenny Omega. Apparently, according to reports, was the original plan. And I think everyone would feel a lot better about this card if it was it that match instead of the trios matchup. But overall, if I had to give it a letter grade for all in, I would say B plus as far as in a short amount of time with a lot of obstacles ahead of them with injuries and people yeah, being exactly. away, they put together a, a very good card. Yeah, really my only complaint is the fact that they put Samoa Joe and CM Punk on this card for Punk's not real world heavyweight championship, which kind of telegraphs that Punk is winning that match. I would have much rather have had that match be for the Ring of Honor television championship. Um, but that just to me tells me that 
there's no way in hell Tony Khan was going to book CM Punk to lose that match. So the interesting part about that is, does Punk get another chicken shit win? Or does he actually find a way finally in his career to definitively beat Samoa Joe? Because there's no way that Joe is taking his real world heavyweight championship. I think that's my only complaint is that just don't have that match be for any title, if, if that's what it is. At least give me the illusion that Samoa Joe can win. Uh, what do you got coming up this week on True Heel Heat? Well, we'll have plenty of content for all in week. Uh, I will be, we'll probably drop a pre-recorded review of NJPW All-Star Junior Festival USA and Impact New Japan Multiverse United 2 from this past weekend. We'll drop that tomorrow with myself and Jay News. I'll be live on Thursday for the AEW Dynamite review with Jimmy McAram. Apparently it's Jimmy McAram's last AE Ramble because he can't watch Dynamite. He's a collider now, apparently. Oh. Apparently, that's the case. And also, join us on Friday for our all-in preview. Saturday, the True Hill Heat flagship podcast. And then all-in watch-along and all-in review Sunday and Monday. There you go. All right. Follow him on the uh, Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. Follow me at Rick Uccino. Again, check out my conversation with Chad Gable uh, Very and Otis, by the way. Very short conversation, but uh, a really good one. Uh, By the way, my Q&A with Maxine Dupree, which due to technical issues was not arable. I was able to get the quotes. You can find those on cagesideseat.com. My pinned tweet right there. Great conversation with Maxine. She is just a a lovely young woman, and I wish her all the best as well. My conversation with uh, Renee Paquette is going to drop uh, tomorrow on cagesideseats.com. And I think even though the audio was for the, my radio station, I might just try to find a way to put it on this channel as well. Cause it was a really, really fun conversation. And I asked her uh, a, a lot of cool stuff, including about whether or not edge might be coming to AEW, her fellow uh, Toronto uh, export, shall we say, cause they no longer live in Toronto anyway. So uh, all of that's coming up here on believe in pro wrestling. Make sure to give us a thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe. If you haven't already, thank you guys so much. And uh, we'll be back at you. I'm not sure when our next time is. Cause I need to discuss that with SP three. We'll let you know. Stay tuned. This is the believe in pro wrestling podcast brought to you by bet online. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.